0: You're listening to the Becoming Yourself Podcast, your bi-weekly dose of self-discovery hosted by Veronica Tai and Elena Giesis. We are a lifestyle and personal development podcast created for women who feel like they're living the wrong version of their lives, but know that they're capable of something bigger and better. Our promise is to deliver authentic content
1: to help you develop a better relationship with the most important person there is, with yourself and see what incredible impact it can have on all areas of your life. Welcome to the journey of Becoming Yourself.
0: Hello, hello. Thank you so much for tuning into the Becoming Yourself podcast. You're here with me, Veronica, and Elena today. You have dropped into the very first episode that we have for becoming yourself so thanks so much for tuning into this one to kick off this whole entire podcast we thought it would be such a good idea to talk about stuckness and being stuck being stuck or feeling stuck is probably one of the worst feelings in the world because it's not like you can move backward into the past, and there's not much by way of moving forward into the future either. So you're stagnated in one place, and that sense of stuckness can feel actually quite awful. So today, we want to talk more about what this stuckness is, what causes stuckness, and of course, how the heck to get <laughs> out of feeling stuck in your life. So Elena, stuckness. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, well,
1: stuckness sucks. And we for sure all know how it feels. Something I wanted to start with, though, is if you feel stuck, but don't know where exactly you feel stuck, sometimes you know exactly which area of your life is not feeling right. But sometimes it's just the general feeling of, oh, my God, like, I don't know what's going on. I'm not motivated. Nothing excites me. Everything sucks basically. So, in this case, one of the great tools to start with, um, and you can just Google it, uh, it's called a wheel of life. Mm -hmm. And in a nutshell, it's just like um, it looks like a wheel or like a pie, and there are slices of pie that represent different areas of your life. So, anything from um, friendship, finances, relationships, all different slices of, of the pie. And then you assign from 1 to 10, you assign where where are you um, according just to your general feelings in in your life right now for each category. And then you, you look at how that wheel looks like because it's not going to be an even wheel. And some areas are going to be obviously not looking as great as the others. And this is where you need to begin. Um, you need to start with those areas that are not, Looking and feeling good at the moment, so this is the the first step that I recommend to those who are feeling stuck but don't know where to begin what about yeah. you what are what are your
0: thoughts well let's let's paint a like a, an even better picture of this whole stuckness because I know that mm-hmm. uh, certain emotions or certain challenges feel different for everyone, and that 's actually something that i 'm so curious about where we all know what stuck feels like, but really what does stuck feel like for you? And I find that when I listen to other people's descriptions of how they feel stuck or, you know, eventually I know in different episodes, we're going to start talking about anger and forgiveness and perfectionism. It helps me better understand my own stuckness and my own forgiveness Mm -hmm. and my own perfectionism. So I'm sitting here as you're talking and I'm like, okay, When do (laughs) I feel stuck and what does stuck feel like to me? For me, Mm -hmm. I think there's a couple of different ways that I feel stuck. The kind of stuck that I often find myself in because I'm such a doer, but not in like the there's I'm a doer. Which usually I think in our culture, uh, we make it sound like as if it's a good thing. Oh, yeah, you're action oriented. You know how to hustle. You can make things happen. Yes. And also, it's also really important. Not to do Mm -hmm. and just sit still, especially Mm -hmm. when you really haven't figured out which way you're going yet. So sometimes when I feel stuck, I find myself in this mode of like spinning my wheels. It feels like Mm -hmm. as if I'm doing all the things. I'm, I think about when I was working actually. <laughs> I know we have our stories around, both you and I around jobs and, and working in corporate and how that feels slash felt for us. I'm no longer in corporate, but I just remember being in corporate thinking that I wanted to get into a certain position. So I would be doing all the things. I got my certification. I asked for extra projects. I found companies that would look really good on my resume. I was, st- spinning my wheels. And yet it felt like I was never getting anywhere. I just landed in the same kind of role, doing the same kind of job, which was never really quite thrilling or fulfilling. So that's one way that I feel stuck often. Um, even mm. in doesn't even have to be corporate, even in uh, operating my business. And I think maybe it's the journey of every entrepreneur, but there comes a point where you're doing all the things you're doing the damn emails, you're doing the newsletters, you're doing the showing up of the Instagram posts, everything. And it feels like nothing's actually moving. So mm-hmm. it's spinning my wheels. That's one way I feel stuck. And yeah,
1: it sounds like, it sounds like um you're being busy, but not productive. Sometimes yeah. this is how we are. Yeah. We, it, and it doesn't, feel fulfilling and this is what it's numbing ourselves with doing instead of being
0: and I think that goes very common thing yeah it goes so much with the wheel of life and I'm so glad that you started us started us off with that Elena because that's the thing uh me in corporate especially it's like I was doing all the things and you see me running around like a busy little bee but it's almost like where are you going (laughs) like What are you even doing? It's avoiding
1: the actual uh, problems with doing what you're comfortable with, what you're used to doing and being busy, right?
0: When I think back about it, it's not even avoiding the actual problem. It's not even knowing what the problem Mm -hmm. is. And I think that's where the (laughs) wheel of life is helpful. Because you're just spinning your wheels. You don't know really where you're going. But if I can look at something and say, oh, (laughs) I Mm -hmm. see it's like personal development that I need to give some attention to or, oh, I see I'm really missing um, the fun and fun side of life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've been doing all these things and I forgot to have fun. Look at that. Yeah. So that's one way I feel stuck. How about you?
1: Oh my God. Yes. I,
0: <laughs> I feel
1: stuck all the time and I, and I get to get myself unstuck all the time. And what's funny is when we say stuck, um, what comes to mind is like physical stuckness, but in fact, it's like, it's emotional stuckness the stuckness yeah. is always in our head it's it's the stories we tell ourselves that get us stuck and um one of the pictures that come to mind is there is there's actually um this picture of this prisoner uh, holding bars in, oh, in yeah. his in, in his uh. prison cell in his is in his hands and feeling like he can't escape but there there are no walls around him so all he needs to do is throw away the freaking bars and this is what i feel what we do all the time with the stories we're telling ourselves. And to me, behind like all the um, stuckness and unhappiness, there is always a limiting belief. What what it is, it's the convenient stories that we're telling ourselves to avoid pain and gain short-term pleasure. So, I mean, a good example would be, you know, you know that you need to lose weight but it's a long-term thing and it's so hard to like do day by day. So you gain pleasure by eating cake right now and thinking, oh, I'm going to die tomorrow, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is how, but you feel stuck feeling like, shoot, I can't lose weight. I can't, you know, find that strength in myself to do it. And I've been there, like it feels It feels like stuckness. Um, And and it's usually the story um, that I'm telling myself in my head.
0: Yeah. And exactly that. I think we just answered our second question, which is, you know, (laughs) like what's stuckness? What makes us feel stuck or what makes us stuck? And at the end of the day, it's always, and I say this, it's like a revelation to me when I first discovered this is always just a mindset game. It's all in your head in a split second. You can go from stuck to unstuck or stuck to progressing Mm -hmm. simply because you changed a thought and the culprit are these limiting beliefs, which I like to think of as any thought that causes you to feel any less than satisfactory in your life. Mm -hmm. It causes Mm -hmm. suffering and suffering is exactly um, any circumstance that causes your life to be any less than satisfactory.
1: Yeah. yeah. So if you're if you're happy, there there is nothing to there to investigate. There is no limiting belief to look for. But if you aren't happy, there is always a painful thought or a limiting belief um, that can be unlearned and replaced with something empowering. Uh, and while the only exception. Uh, I would say is like big major life events like, you know, someone's death or a breakup in a relationship. This is something that people need to grieve. It's not something that you can like just quickly unlearn. But everything else that stops you from achieving things that you want or figuring out where you want to go in your life, that's that's what stuckness is. And this is where limiting beliefs are. And this is what definitely needs to be looked at and can be uh, changed and unlearned. And both Veronica and I know that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? Well, I would, yeah, I would even say, because, okay, limiting belief when you really break up the two words and look at it, limiting belief. Oh, any belief that actually limits you, that holds you back. And even when it comes to very real pain, like death of a loved one or the breakup of a relationship, the grief is real. Now, here's the thing. The thoughts that you have around the grief can cause you to spiral one way upward or another downward and there too can be limiting beliefs lurking. So I like Mm -hmm. to think of breaking up as an example because we've all been there. And if we haven't been there, we've watched romantic comedies. We know how it goes. (laughs) You break up with someone and the true pain of it really is that you no longer have that intimacy with this person. You no longer get to be intertwined with this person. And that's like a splitting up of that's really sad. The dirty pain as, um, now I'm going into clean pain, dirty pain, but oh, really yeah. the dirty that. pain that, yeah. Talk more about that. I love that. <laughs> well, essentially clean pain is something that's real. Uh, clean pain is like you cut your thumb. Or one way that Martha Beck uh, really likes to describe it is could you let an animal know? So if you're a little kitty cat or your dog came up to you and you cut your thumb, like could, without words, could you let them know? Of course you could because then they'd see it and they'd be like, oh, no, you know, you're hurt. Hmm. Let me lick it clean. Maybe you don't want your – probably don't want your pet doing that to to your wound. But, you know, like then they know. But the dirty pain is what we make up in our heads. And that's really where like 90% of our pain is. Going Mm -hmm. with the breaking up example, the dirty pain of it is – now I'm going to be alone forever. And I'm going to be 80. And I'm going to live with like, yeah, I'm going to live with cats in a trash can. That's usually where my (laughs) mind takes me. But (laughs) that's the dirty pain around it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the initial pain of a breakup is a clean pain. And usually Mm -hmm. you do need some time to to grieve, to to go through it. And I'm sure we've all been there. But then what happens is a lot of people spiral into the dirty pain, and all the thoughts is what's limiting them and makes them feel stuck. What are? Let's talk about some other common limiting beliefs that
0: yeah. a lot of people have.
1: <laughs> you also, you how can much also time we got them, today? Yeah, yeah how know, long is this episode going to be? Just and kidding. I feel like all of them can apply to. Mo- and and this is the funny thing because we have like thousands of thoughts in our heads every day but there, so many of them are common like we all mm-hmm. think the same thoughts and have the same fears and if, and if we look at it closely we will see that our limiting beliefs are so similar all the people all people think same things um i'm too old for this or i'm too young for that or i don't have enough time I don't have enough money to do this. You know, I'm not in general good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty, pretty enough. I'm not fit enough. Um, I don't deserve this. Like the list can just go on and on. What are yeah. some of some of your favorites?
0: Well, you know what? I love this. I love that we get to list it out. And here's why. Like Listing it out is so important because the first step is always awareness, right? These thoughts are being recycled around in our heads, like everybody's heads. And at the worst of times, you're actually walking around believing these things. And at the best of times, you're aware that you're thinking the thought and you can separate yourself from it to be like, Oh, I'm doing that thing again where I think that my top one is I'm not good enough or I didn't mm-hmm. do enough work. Do you see how and I I haven't even talked about the lizard brain yet, which I want to share four ways to spot this lizard brain I'll describe uh to everyone what this is, but I haven't even told the four ways yet. But it's like <laughs> It's not that inventive. It's not that creative. It's basically, I'm not fill in the blank enough, smart enough, rich enough, thin enough, um, mm. joyful enough, friendly enough, likable enough, lovable enough.
1: <laughs> That's mm-hmm. usually it's all fear
0: based. All fear based. Yes. Or uh, one of my. So the, yeah, sorry, go yeah, ahead. <laughs> one of the ones that really kept me back for limiting beliefs, this is how much power it has. If you're not aware, and also if you are aware and you're not doing anything to work with your limiting beliefs. One that I had that really held me back was the thought that I had to be given permission to do anything and that translated to like, my future is in the hands of some, somebody else. And an example of that is I knew that I wanted to teach, that I wanted to educate, that I wanted to present, and that I knew I would be able to do that. But at the various jobs that I held, for some reason, it was always like a higher level job. And I would always wait for permission to be able to do the thing that I know that I was meant to do. And it wasn't until I had to really step up and show up for myself to be like, whoa, this is limiting belief and forget it. I don't care. Why do I need to be validated by someone else who mm-hmm. may or may not have the same education or even less education than me? Not that education is everything, but that's what we compare when we're talking about corporate, right? What kind of degree do you have? Do you have a master's or a PhD? And that puts you at a certain level of credibility. But And also, another thing that distinguishes us in corporate is the level that you're at. If you're in a junior position versus a manager's position versus a director versus a VP position, that means something about you. And for some reason, that gives you credibility. But. Yes, it gives you credibility in your area of expertise, but my mistake was translating that to be that they had more credibility in telling me what I could and couldn't do and what I was good and not good enough for. Mm -hmm. Like, that was a huge limiting belief.
1: And sometimes, I'm pretty sure they they didn't even tell you that or they didn't even think that, but it's the story you told yourself. (laughs) (laughs) This is how you were limiting yourself, right? Like this is this is the issue with these beliefs. This is the issue with stuckness that sometimes we just make up these stories and we repeat them in our heads over and over and over again until they become a background noise. They just become our personal religions. They become these universal truths that we believe without questioning them. And we just keep beating ourselves up. Um, and that thing just plays, you know, in, in the background all the time. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I will never be able to do that. I will never be able to achieve that. You know, I'm too old to start. It's so funny how, how these things happen because it's, it's literally a habit. It's, it, it's a habit like brushing your teeth, basically. Yeah. Thinking those negative thoughts and having those limiting beliefs. And sometimes, like in your example with your job, sometimes these things are not even true. You tell yourself that you need to get someone's permission. But mm-hmm. nobody is, you know, even wanting to give you permission, right? It's, it's only you who should give yourself a permission. That's the funny thing. Oh my gosh. Huge.
0: Yeah. What would have happened if I just did it? Like really what would have
1: happened? And all it takes is to, to let yourself, that's all it takes
0: (laughs) at the end of the day. Simple, but not easy. Yeah. Simple, but not easy. What's your, Um, uh, I want to talk about this lizard thing, but mm -hmm. I'm also curious, like what's your top tune? top limiting
1: beliefs? Oh, yeah. So I guess um the most recent one, because just because we were going through coach training, one of my limiting beliefs for a very long time was, you know, to be a life coach, I need to be older. I need to be mm. more credible because, you know, life coaching is such a loaded term. It's um a lot of people are skeptical about it. And I always was like, who who's going to take me seriously. <laughs> but then, mm. you know, I had to look around and I had to look at some people I I admire. I had to look at people like Marie Forleo, Tony Robbins, um, Mel Robbins, and those people started somewhere. And they didn't start in their 40s. They started in their 20s. They become mm. life coaches early. And they've helped hundreds and thousands And in case of Tony Robbins, I want to say millions of people and you have to start somewhere. Yeah, that was um, probably uh, one of my biggest limiting beliefs of the past year that I had to overcome. And now I believe, I don't know if uh, you and I talked about it, but I believe that one of the thoughts was who needs another life coach? You know, there are so many life coaches. And then I heard Marie Forleo telling this story about Italian restaurants. And if every Italian, new Italian restaurant would ask who needs another Italian restaurant, then how many of our favorite Italian restaurants won't be out there? Because in every restaurant, they have something special. They have something you like. And it's not a problem to open another Italian restaurant because they have a different audience. Same with coaching, right? You have your unique um, skills and your unique perspective and your unique problems that, that you go through and whatever journey you are on and you are afraid to start, just remember a pizza restaurant story. So th- that's, that's, it's where my stackness was, I think. I have, obviously, a lot of limiting beliefs, but I guess that was one of mine.
0: <laughs> oh, that's such a good one. I'm so passionate about that one. Who needs another fill-in-the-blank? It is like... I don't even know where to start with this. Well, maybe I'll start by relating because I think that was a fear that I had as well and you could easily say that for almost anything, even yoga teachers, right? Like when I when I um was deciding whether or not to take yoga teacher training, actually, I came across this one article from a very well-known yoga website. And there is this seem like at the time I thought it was like a really awesome yoga teacher. And they wrote this whole article on the world doesn't need another yoga teacher and why you shouldn't become one because we're already saturated. And that scared the bejesus out of me. And I was like, maybe I shouldn't become a yoga teacher. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I ended up doing it anyway. And I am so Thankful that I did and that I didn't let someone else's opinion stop me, which I actually have a Marie Forleo story about that too. But let me just mm-hmm. stay on track with what I'm saying here. And I'm so glad that I did it because number one, it completely changed the course of my life. You gotta follow what feels right to you. Who the heck knew that yoga was my pathway to becoming eventually an entrepreneur, a life coach, a desire map facilitator, and to start a podcast, two podcasts, like who the <laughs> heck knew that was the instigator. And also one of my absolute favorite quotes I learned from actually Marie Forleo. It's one by Martha Graham. And I think I have it right beside me because I oftentimes live with it. And there is a vitality, a life force, an energy, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And because there is only one of you in all of time, this expression is unique. And if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium and it will be lost. The world will not have it. It's not your business to determine how good it is, or how valuable, or how it compares with other expressions. It's your business to keep it yours clearly and directly and keep the channel open. You don't even have to believe in yourself or your work. You have to keep yourself open and aware of the urges that motivate you. Keep the channel open. No, that's her quote. Nobody has your life experience. Whether you're out there to become a yoga teacher or a life coach or to open up an Italian restaurant, nobody has your specific taste buds and they cannot make the red sauce the way that you specifically make it. Does that mean that everybody is going to want your red sauce? No, but the people who truly enjoy it certainly do need it. Like Huge, huge, huge. And that is such a great example of where this limiting belief can really hold us back from what we're really meant to do and from becoming ourselves. Yeah, love it. Thank you for sharing
1: it. Um, so let's now talk about the ways out <laughs> because, Yay! yeah, after you determine that you're stuck, you know that you're stuck, you're, you know that you're repeating Crazy story in your head, you know that you're beating yourself up. What do you do then? And in my opinion, there are only two ways to go from there. Um, You can become a victim, and it's a decision. What it takes is a decision. Um, You can decide to keep being a victim and blame the circumstances or blame yourself um, and find these excuses, or you can make a decision to take control of your thinking. There are only two ways in my in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you
1: think, Veronica?
0: Oh, I think like this question, <laughs> this reminds me of, I, I know that not all of our listeners uh, are yogis, but uh, my path into this whole personal growth has been through yoga. And you know how like, maybe not, maybe you haven't read the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, but there is the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. And that's like, the book of yoga that tells you everything that you ever need to know about yoga in this one uh, book. And the very first three sutras, like kind of threads of wisdom, basically sets you up so that if you understand the first three things, you basically understand all the rest of it, including the enlightenment of life. And I feel like this is kind of the same feel in that we're talking about limiting beliefs here. And if we can just understand limiting beliefs and take hold and manage and dissolve our limiting beliefs, life will be good. This is where all of life coaching sits. It's just simply about changing your perspectives over and over and over again. And my, I think a good, an excellent starting point is that awareness to realize like hey listen you're not crazy your uh-huh. thoughts crazy like no 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 uh-huh. no you're not good enough you're just thinking that you're not good enough and uh-huh. one way to do that which i love is to name it we call it our lizard because we've got this archaic part of our brain like this dinosaur part of our brain that's simply interested in surviving like your basic survival Am I going to die? Great. Am I in danger? Great. And if you are in danger, it will act accordingly. And because this is a very archaic part of the brain, it's not very creative. It doesn't go very far with its thinking. That's the prefrontal cortex that gives us all of our uh, creativity and analyzing and memory and everything. This is like literally a lizard. The lizard, when it sees a threat, it just, it runs away or it, do- or it attacks. It just it runs away or attacks, and that's all it has to decide on. So Mm -hmm. this is the part of our brain that's running these limiting beliefs. And for us, well, I'm sure everyone's heard this Mm -hmm. so many times. We're no longer cave people. We are not being chased by tigers every day. More often than not in the society that we live in, our lives are actually not in danger, like we're not running out of a burning building. We are, but our habits are
1: still the same. Our thinking patterns are still the same. <laughs> but there are yeah. triggers
0: that create this exact same. Mm-hmm. Thing reaction and these triggers is your boss coming in and yelling at you it it, the trigger can be um doing something uncomfortable even if it's good for you like taking the leap and being like yeah time to change my career that's so being afraid of someone judging you (laughs) oh my gosh such a good yes being afraid of someone judging you or someone criticizing you like saying something mean to you that's so like that sets the lizard on fire so Mm -hmm. that's what the lizard is. And so you'll refer to us talking about like lizard, lizard thoughts. That's what we mean. Like this archaic part of our brain that just wants to help. That just wants wants us to survive. But in doing so, in modern day life, it's actually harming us because it's holding us back. So I think that when we are actually able to separate ourselves from the lizard and what I do uh, sometimes in workshops or if I'm doing any challenges uh, with a group of people, I get them to draw out their lizard. Because when you can finally see that it's a different entity, then that's when it really clicks for you. Like, you're not crazy, The lizard is crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have four ways to, I'm sure there's more, but four main ways to know when the lizard has entered the room. The first one is notice what happens to your thoughts. Like what's happening to your thoughts right now? sometimes when this lizard is around giving you those lizardy thoughts, like I'm not good enough. Everyone's going to laugh at me. No, they're totally going to reject me and I'm going to make a fool out of myself. Well, when the lizard and it's lizard thoughts are around for some people, the thoughts start to race. Like you start to think faster or there's like Mm -hmm. a swirling of thoughts or for me, it's really not that intelligible. Like it's a simple, Oh no. It really is yeah. survival based. Like there's no thought that comes yeah. after that for me. Yeah. The yeah.
1: The, the lizard brain, essentially what it does. Yes. It's either fear or scarcity. So anytime you're in that fear mode or scarcity mode, and by scarcity, we mean n- anything not good enough. That's what, whenever you feel that, that's, that's the awareness Veronica is talking about.
0: Yeah. So first notice what's happening to your thoughts. If they speed up, slow down, or stop altogether, that's a good sign Mm -hmm. that the lizard is in the room. The second one is what happens to your body sensations? Like what's happening in your body? Our brain processes 40 bits of information per second. That's a lot. However our heart and our gut, the rest of our body, it processes 11 million bits of information Mm -hmm. per second. Like, I mean, your body's got a little something to tell you and it's pretty wise. So what's happening with your body sensations? A key giveaway is that anytime your body starts to tighten or tense or otherwise constrict, that's Mm -hmm. a really good sign that the lizard's around and it's freaking you out. Uh, mm-hmm. For some people, they feel, they, like for me, I feel it in my chest a lot. It feels like as mm-hmm. if I'm suffocating or my chest tightens. That's um, a very
1: common one, yeah. And I think a good example also would be because we're so disconnected from our bodies, right? We A lot of people, I think, like I couldn't recognize how my body feels. But you know when you're like super high up and looking down, you know how you have that gut feeling like, oh my God, right? Mm-hmm. Like everything like freezes inside of you, that's the lizard. That's exactly Mm. what lizard is. That's the survival instinct that's kicking in. It might not feel as strong in in these scenarios, but it's really important to pay attention how your body reacts to some of the threats, like modern day threats. Threats like, oh my God, the judgment and like something happening in my chest right now, right? Immediately. Or like there's this suffocation feeling or um, a numbing in my hands feeling like different people feel it differently, but it's important to pay attention to that for sure.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Another telltale sign. I've got two more telltale signs that have to do with the body is that (laughs) when you're starting to feel really uncomfortable in your body, like you're just squirming around and it just feels like you got to get out of here. You just like, got to go and you've got to take your mind away from it. I can imagine I'm trying to think of a scenario in which like I would be squirming and I really wouldn't like it is well if I was I'm thinking about like any time I used to get in trouble you know when you're in trouble and you're in the principal's office and it's just mm-hmm. like so scary being there mm-hmm. and you're just like oh my god oh my god I just need to leave like right now. Yeah whenever you get that feeling it's a sure sign that the lizard had entered the room mm-hmm. and
1: yeah. Or when you're cheating on, on, on the exam, <laughs> there is, I've, I've done that. I know how that feels. Lizard is always there. Like you have your survival, like that fear of like being afraid to be caught. Like that's the lizard. Ooh. That's the survival feeling.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And another surefire way to test if uh, the lizard is, is in the room is basically, well, are you breathing? <laughs> because mm-hmm. when you stop breathing.
1: one of the modes of lizard is freezing it's fighting fighting or freezing so whenever you stop breathing and like or you you have that shallow breath not the deep breath that's definitely a sign of a lizard brain kicking in Mm -hmm. yeah
0: exactly so the third thing to look out for because now we're we've looked at our thoughts we've looked at our body sensations now look at your emotions i know it's the emotion part is so difficult to sit with but What kinds of emotions are flowing through you right now? Anxiety, a feeling of lack, being discouraged, maybe angry or rage. These are all signs that basically any uncomfortable emotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The fourth one, they're not as easy to spot as the first three. That's why I call it the sneak attack because the lizard doesn't always rear its head in an obvious way. It's not always like... Boo! Tiger! And you're like, oh my gosh, oh, it's you, lizard. Sometimes it plays coy and it tricks you by, and it shows up in these sneaky ways. Um, if you start picking fights with someone, usually your spouse, that's one way that it shows up. Another way that it shows up, it and it sounds so justifiable too, like it sounds like as if you could really back this one up, is when it gives you that lack in terms of, oh, you know what? I want to be a life coach, but um, I did get my coaching certification, but I'm not a master coach yet. Like I didn't, I just don't have enough, um, hours. So maybe I need to get more hours first. And then maybe I do need to get a second certification because a good coach should basically have the training of a therapist too then. So Mm -hmm. maybe I should just get a master's first and you can really justify it. But when you break it down, it comes from this place of lack because it doesn't Mm -hmm. think you have enough to get out there and do what you really want. Another Mm -hmm. way that it shows up with this whole lack is I can't celebrate until, oh, I fell for this one so many Mm -hmm. times where it's (laughs) like, oh, well, you know what? I only closed my first, it's just my first client. So that's okay. Like I won't actually be able to celebrate until I have a full schedule. Um, Mm -hmm. oh, you Mm -hmm. know what? I only have a full schedule of clients, but it's really nothing. No, no, no. It's really nothing. It's like you're afraid to admit how far you've gone. It's like, it's not like I'm on Oprah, you know, like it's not like I'm, you know, so good that Oprah has asked me to be on her show. You can go on forever with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I can so resonate with that. And celebration, um, of your wins is actually one of the areas of your life in that wheel of life. It's so important and so underestimated, because we're so quickly always on to the next thing, all onto the next thing, and we're not giving ourselves credit for the things that we accomplish, it feels never enough. and that's that's the lizard brain. That's the the old brain that does that to us. That's a trick that it does. The importance of celebrating and giving yourself credit is very underestimated. So thank you for bringing that up. That yeah. is very important. Yeah. yeah because thanks. what we do, we just keep rationalizing, being like, I need another certificate. I need more education. I need, and that's a perfectionism thing, right? Like you, it's never enough. You need, you need to be putting everything together in a perfect way to be able to show up. But yeah. the key is to just show up.
0: <laughs> and Yeah. And <laughs> you know what's, <laughs> what's so amusing is that it feels so threatening when someone calls you out on it. Cause you were talking about, you know, like holding the bars against your face and it's just like, it's just a square thing with rods. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. someone actually came up to you and said, Hey, you know what? You could just put your hands down. Like, hey, listen, you don't need a master's to get out there and do whatever it is that you're wanting to do. What's well, a good mm-hmm. example? Where do we trick ourselves really hard? Like, yeah, we could just use life coaching as an example since we're both life coaches. Like, hey, listen, you don't have to be a master coach to get out there to coach. It's like, oh, I have a good example. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: So an example of how we trick ourselves could be, for example, me building, building my website. Uh, my excuse is I'm not techie. Right. So it's always like, oh, my God, I need to watch another webinar and another oh, yeah. webinar. And <laughs> I need to like it's word. it's just honestly like a spiral and you can do it forever or you can just do a good enough version a shitty first draft
0: version and then improve yes. it. Yes. See, that's where it's amusing because if someone called <laughs> you out on it and said, well, actually, you don't need to have a, a computer science degree to actually build your website. Like, why don't you just build it first? And if we're really attached to this limiting belief, like if the lizard's really, really insecure about this one, it's like imagine holding the bars against your face even harder. Like you really, mm-hmm. really rub it into your face and you're like, "But then what telling you. Yeah. happens. It has to be here. It has to be here. And you try to justify your stance. Like, that's how tricky the lizard can be.
1: Yeah. And, w- and what happens, it overwhelms us, right? Because doing something techie when you have never done anything techie can seem so overwhelming that you can't even take a first step. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's just so big, it's bigger than you. So that's why it's so, it makes you feel stuck.
0: Yeah. And that's actually the perfect segue into the last thing. Cause we already talked about feeling stuck. What makes us feel like, what does feeling stuck feel like? Um, what's up, what makes us stuck? Okay. How do we get on stuck?
1: Well, am I, in addition to the four steps that you mentioned, something I do and how I spot my, my uh, limiting beliefs um, is really watch my language. That, that's a very, very important one. And if you do it even just for one day, notice how much of a disempowering language you use on a daily basis. And I'm talking about words like, I can't, I must... I never, I always. It just the generalized um, disempowering language that indicates that you do not control your life. It indicates that something outside of you controls your life. But if you substitute that, and a good example would be me telling myself my whole life that I am uh, not a morning person or that I'm not a runner. I just can't wake up. At 5 a.m., that's what I've been saying. But see how when I say I choose not to wake up at 5 a.m., it totally makes you responsible for your choice instead of saying I can't because let's look at it from a factual standpoint. As a matter of fact, I can wake up at 5 a.m. I just choose not to. Um, and it just creates a totally different tone that you can set with yourself because that language part is so important. So just watch, watch how you, how you talk to yourself. Same with, I'm not a runner. I can't run. And it just stemmed from one traumatic experience of me running 5k and feeling like I failed at it because I did not prepare myself. And I've been just telling myself, I'm not a runner. I hate running. But you know what? What? Uh, I just had a wrong approach. Now, you know, I downloaded the right app, I have a right approach. And I do those hit runs, which I never thought I would do the high intensity runs, interval runs, and I love it. I love it. I proved myself wrong, because it's not that I can't run, I choose not to run. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So so this is where I feel like watching what you say and how you say it is a very, very important way to get unstuck. So that's what creates that awareness. This is what shifts your perspective um, to ownership, from from victim mode, from stuckness to ownership. Um and from there you can make a choice. When you know that you are the one making the choice, then this is how you slowly start getting unstuck.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, that was so good, <laughs> Elena. It's it's so true. What we tell ourselves is so important. What we tell ourselves essentially makes or breaks us. So when we're talking about getting unstuck. I think sometimes, or when I used to think about getting unstuck, I'm like, oh my gosh, give me a solution. Um, <laughs> I can think about losing weight. That's such a good example. Because how many diets mm-hmm. do we see out there? Not that they don't work. <laughs> but you need to start at the root of it because there are yo-yo dieters out there who try the Atkins and they try the keto, then they try intermittent fasting and they're just chasing all these things that are on the outside. Hey, I'm on intermittent fasting right now. Me too, me too. <laughs> and I love it. Like there's a I whole story works. of limiting beliefs there too. Yeah, I didn't think I could do it because I used to, I used to get so hangry, but then, hey, it actually <laughs> works. So, it, but then there's all this like trying on the outside Trying to find solutions outside of you when at the mm-hmm. very root of it is this what are you telling yourself? Are you telling and yourself how, that you And how, and how you're run? telling
1: yourself things. How,
0: yes. Exactly. How are you telling yourself? Mm-hmm. And I think that right, like right there is the catalyst. Mm-hmm. Becoming sure. aware of what you're saying to yourself and how you're saying it to yourself. Mm hmm. So yeah, so one of the
1: ways is catching your disempowering language and substituting it for empowering language um, or inspiring language, something that makes you in control of your thinking. Another one, as I already mentioned, is finding proofs of why your thought is not true. And as I mentioned, in my case, I made up this thought in my head that to be a life coach, I need to be um, older and more experienced. Um, And then I found a proof of why this is not true because there are a lot of successful coaches out there who started um, their coaching practice being very young. So what you can do is whatever belief you have, like if your belief is you're too old to do something, like in my case, I felt like I'm too young to do this. If you think you're too old to do this, go and find a few people of your age who did it successfully. That will also help you put it in perspective and help you see how what you believe might not be true. And that definitely will help you get unstuck. Um, And finally, um, another advice I have is small, taking small steps or how we also call the turtle stepping. Um, so again, good example of me being not techie, um, because it feels like, oh my God, this is so overwhelming. I know nothing about it. So the easiest way is to just not do anything about it, but it just takes one step. And that step always creates a m- momentum. So it's figuring out what is that small step I can take right now, like the smallest step I can tolerate. Um, in my case, it's just like just put a video and and look for it, look look up that tutorial. That's what it is, and then it creates a momentum, and then it snowballs, and then it gets you out of that stuckness. So that that's what I do to get unstuck.
0: I love it. Yes. So become aware of your lizard. Know in the first place what it is that you're telling yourself. Get a hold of knowing what you're telling yourself and how you're telling yourself. Mm-hmm. Prove your lizard wrong. Once you identify mm-hmm. it, remember, <laughs> you're not crazy. The lizard's crazy. And so you prove mm-hmm. that lizard wrong. And then just a teeny tiny step at a time, just dip your big toe in. It doesn't have to be a mm-hmm. big off the bat. Yes. So (laughs) I, you know, that's basically like, I mean, this is what all our other episodes are going to be about. (laughs) Like basically how to change our thoughts so that we stop holding ourselves back because at the end of the day, we are holding ourselves back from whatever it is that we really want to do. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. Thank you, Elena.
1: Yeah. Thank you too. I love that we have a bit of a different perspective and I feel like If if those two things are combined, they will make an even bigger impact. I am for sure going to look into those four steps that you've suggested and pay more attention to how my lizard shows up in my life. (laughs) Those are good ones.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'm definitely going to, every day, every day I try to become aware, but I just think that you put such a good reminder out there like, ah, It's not just what you're telling yourself. How are you telling yourself? That's a good one. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, Watching watching your language is key.
0: And for you listening in, thank you so much for hanging out with us for this very first episode of the Becoming Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please go ahead, share this out to a friend who will also love it and, of course, benefit from it. And if you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe and maybe even drop us a rating and review. Your support would be so appreciated.
1: Let us know what you guys think. Thank you so much for tuning in.
0: Have a great day. You on the next episode. Bye. Bye.